Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. It's like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. That's right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. That's right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz... Come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. And let me say this. First year we recorded this podcast Mm -hmm. was in 2012, our first season. So our first Texas OU game was a 63-21 loss for the Longhorns. First Texas OU game I covered, actually, from the press box. And I know Texas plays Iowa State this Saturday. But considering where we were, fellas, and considering what happened last Saturday, we're going to bask in the glow of, what would you call this, Rod? What kind of beatdown would you call this? Old Testament-style biblical butt-whipping. That it was. Of forty proportions. Obliteration. 49 yeah. nothing. Goose egg. Texas defense threw up on Oklahoma. We'll talk about that. We'll have to get into Iowa State a little bit, too. But we got to talk about Texas OU because uh, – since we've been doing this, we had 2013, but other than that, we haven't really had a Texas blowout win to discuss, so we're going to just enjoy it here on this week's edition of Longhorn Blitz. Hey. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He's Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Um, I'm digging the color-coded charts. You're in, we are in mid-season, but you're well beyond mid-season form, yeah, Matt, with all the uh... data. Overlapping season, getting into that Craig Way season whenever you got all the sports at the same time, but you couldn't ask for anything more, especially when Texas is actually doing well. It makes everything else so much oh, more you've fun. Had, I forgot you've had preseason NBA, too. Yep, yep. Yeah. Preseason NBA is going oh, on man. in the NFL. It's all over. Ah, there you go. A uh, man who, look, he can talk preseason NBA. He can talk <laughs> NFL. He can talk so many different things because he's a Renaissance man, including wears many hats for the Austin Radio Network, including co-hosting Ball Don't Lie with Mike Harge from 3 to 7 each and every weekday Shout on out. the Horn. But for the purposes of this podcast, he is our lockdown corner on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thank you for the intro, brother. I appreciate it, and it feels uh, probably feels better than it's ever felt before. Yes. Coming off this past weekend. I thought about you this weekend, Rod, in two instances. Instance number one. I'll get to instance number one here in a minute. Instance number two, though, it's kind of secondary. The team that wins Texas OU, you own Dallas. You own the fair. That's true, man. It's yours, baby. City's yours. And especially when you win it in that fashion, the other team, they just really want to get the hell out of there as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And when I'm seeing video of Hudson Card playing games on the midway, getting up some shots, and (laughs) Moro Ojimo's doing postgame with us with the turkey leg in his hand. Hey, man, that's what happens, baby. (laughs) That's gold. All right. Jay Whitway, you playing the flag? Yeah, well, it, 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 I was talking to Deshaun Jamison about I saw this. Coburn trying. It ended up being Coburn, and Jamison's like, Jamison's like, uh, I was like, I saw, he's like, I saw Snacks having trouble with that thing. He's like, I was not about to try to throw my shoulder out planting the flag. <laughs> <laughs> they had a little I don't think you physically have to literally plant it. I think you just 
plant it there literally and then you wave it around yeah. and then that is the symbolism as I plant the flag I own the field apparently the flag is heavy though apparently it's it's pretty heavy oh the flag is heavy well yeah. no dude, that little frat dudes running around with the flag what are you talking about they're like little cheerleading dudes yeah, I'm not saying I'm not mocking them but you lift weights every damn day <laughs> what are you talking about the flag is well, heavy in my mind guys, we're saying it is heavy man. All I remember is Will hey, Winston had to be the guy that was planting the flag back in the day for Texas in yeah. the USC game. So that whenever I saw Coburn out there, I just thought they'd give it to the biggest dude to go out there. Oh, plant that. Yeah, exactly. What's cool? Give it to whoever it is. Who's the swollest dude? <laughs> give it to the swollest dude. Let him go plant the flag. It doesn't matter. All right? Yeah, after, after after goose egging Oklahoma, you deserve to plant the flag. Other than yes. Leonard Davis, Rod, Will Winston, biggest guy you ever played with? Uh... Oh, that's He's good. up there. Yeah, it's, it, honestly, it's honestly it might it might be a couple of Texas guys because, man, Will Winston was a large man. He was. Mike um, Williams that, was pretty big. Yeah, I would say Mike Williams was pretty big. Honestly, the only the biggest superman I ever saw on the field physically was Jonathan Ogden. Ooh. Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I, it was like a was Ogden six eight. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. Yeah, like he looked like. I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones. You see the giants in <laughs> yeah. Game of Thrones? He looked like, like that. like Sir Gregor. Dude, it was crazy. Yeah, he looked like that mountain. He looked, looked like the yeah. mountain out there. Yeah. It was crazy, dude. It was wild. Uh, well, what was crazy was watching this, the destruction that we saw. So, Rod, I thought about you thinking about the post game, and I'm like, yeah, it, it is true. Whenever you win a game, and, and like I said, I other than 2013, I haven't seen Texas. So it's been almost a decade since I've seen Texas win a game going away like that. Not that Texas hasn't won. They have won. But the other fan base just wants to get the hell out of there ASAP. But Texas got to enjoy Dallas. They got to enjoy the midway. But they did it, Rod, by doing something that you talked about. And I thought about this. Watching all the veteran guys for Texas that were making plays in this game, you know, Tavondre Sweat and Deshaun Jameson and mm-hmm. uh, DeMarvian Overshone. Obviously, Bijan will get to Quinn. Jordan Whittington making plays in this game. Roshan. And I go back to something you said. When blowouts in this series happen, it's usually because the side that gets blown out, they just lack the experience in this game to really know what it's about and the level of intensity, that echo to the whistle nature of this game that you have to play with. And what I think set the tone for this game was the little dust-up Kelvin Banks had on that Mm -hmm. first touchdown drive Mm -hmm. where he's blocking his guy through the echo of the whistle. Guy grabs his face mask and Banks isn't backing down. Mm -hmm. I'm like, for a true freshman in this game to kind of understand what that's all about, like I think this team's going to be all right. I don't don't think you've got to worry about some massive Oklahoma comeback. Uh, So it's just – we've seen it on the other side, and I think Oklahoma fans, it's been a while since they've seen a game like that in this series. To understand that you could feel it, Rod. We've seen, like I said, we've seen it all before. You could feel when that avalanche starts, and about the time the Jade Barron interception happened, you're like, "All right, it's not a matter of if Texas is going to win; it's just a matter of what's the final going to be." Yeah, because it's it's such a unique environment that you can monopolize momentum, mm-hmm. and it's a uh, you know it's really tough to do when you know you're because sometimes when you know it's a true road environment true home environment the other team makes plays you can almost silence the crowds yeah <laughs> it's like sometimes, one of those you, sometimes you make great you make, you make enough plays you can hear like actual people talking in the crowd make because they're so quiet because there's you have monopolized all the momentum mm-hmm. and then at times it's so damn loud if you're like on the road against another team because the, you know i mean they've monopolized the momentum against you and you you're like man we got to go to silent count because we cannot even we can't even hear each other. We can't even yeah. on the field, me next to you, I can't hear you speak because these people are so excited. That's why momentum, although not anything tangible, really can you quantify it, but everybody can feel momentum. Everybody can sense momentum. And in that game, because the crowd is split 50-50, there's this strange thing about momentum that it goes back and forth and you cannot allow your opponent to monopolize it. You have to grab it back quickly. Yeah. And if you don't, it'll become just this wave of this tsunami of momentum against you mm-hmm. where, and I've, I've been, I've, I've experienced it. I experienced it in 2000 when Oklahoma beat us, whatever they did. I trust me. Don't remind me of the score, <laughs> but it, it happens. And I, I've seen it happen oftentimes and more oftentimes tonight it's against Texas, but this is one of the few times where it was Texas that monopolized all the momentum mm-hmm. and Oklahoma could get, they couldn't get anything. Anytime they had a, anytime Texas sensed them grasping the momentum and having a hold of it, Texas just put the kibosh on it, and yeah. that was that was the that was the tsunami. Then the tsunami just overtook Oklahoma, and they they never they could never answer. They were in, they were so deep in quicksand 
they, they they all gave up. They essentially their coach waved the white flag in the yeah. third quarter. I mean, they were yeah. talking. He's talking about third and longs. And they were like, "Man, we're just gonna hand it off in the Wildcat. Mm-hmm. We are bleed done. clock and get yeah, out of here. We are just can we get a mercy clock here? So that is something I've never observed in any Texas OU game. Yeah, yeah. and the way you talked about taking that momentum back, like first you ended up having Texas be a three and out, but then you get the stop to get the ball back. Then you go down and you end up having a situation where they're able to do a fake field goal. Yep. But then you get the stop down after that at the fourth and one. And then what happens whenever they get some momentum and break a play and Eric Gray first another time in the red zone, then you're able to get the pick. So, like, those are the waves. And then when you're talking about the waves between the fans and how you can take the momentum, the only thing it reminds me of is a game scenario that plays out the way a divisional football game or a head-to-head in a playoff race where when you're playing the team and it's almost like two wins because they get the loss, but this is with the fans in the stands that you get a big play and your guys go loon and they go silent. And if you constantly are doing that and diposing your opponent and being able to take it away from them, it gives you that multiplicative effect, which is just a momentum grab. Football is like this, but this game, more so than any game on Texas' schedule, and I think for Oklahoma too, this is a punch or be punched game. This isn't a game, this isn't a series where you go in thinking, all right, we're going to feel our way through and see. No, you got to go in ready to land haymakers. And if you don't, you're going to get punched in the face real hard. Like Casey Stutter said, football is a fight, but that's why Craig Way uh, calls it, at least Craig Way and I, I don't know if he still calls it that. Cause he, does. he does. I don't think uh, the state fair street fight, because it yeah. is. It's just a fight, and if you don't respond quickly, you're going to just get knocked the F out. I mean, yeah. that's the way it goes. And and Oklahoma, I mean, they were, honestly, they, the referee would have called that fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, yeah. that fight, they would have called that fight, man, in the third quarter, and I think Brett Venables basically did. Yeah, it's uh, to call it out. Yeah, well, if you just watch the two teams coming out of the tunnel and uh, start pumping drunk, his man. guys up, tell them to get their blanking line, get ready, and then you see Venables. Venables is over there, like tightening his cap. Like you could see, there was no confidence or any type None. of energy coming out of that. It was big difference between the yeah, two teams. No, I've, I've said this right. too. The team that wins the game in this fashion is usually the team they show up ready for a fight, hoping a football game breaks out. You know, the other team showed up to play a football game. Like the that. other team yeah. shows up for a fight, and a football game might just happen. But I thought there were a few key sequences mm-hmm. in this game, a few key plays. I, I thought DeMarvin Overshone reading the fake field goal the way he did uh, because that thing could have scored. If you just scored. totally botched it, well, it yeah. could have scored and changed momentum, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they converted, but you stopped them right at the line to gain. I thought that was key. I, I thought one of the few mistakes Quinn Ewers made all day, Woody Washington not – Really, in that, that interception. Pick. That was big. That was huge because it's was. a scoreless game at that point. Yeah, because yeah, he read that pre snap like he knew. mistakes he made, and you're right, he didn't capitalize on it. That yeah. was one of yeah. the throws, though, that I think because it wasn't even a really bad throw or play. He just wasn't was anticipated. Play. It was, it was a, a great good defensive play. Because exactly, yeah. he broke on the ball, and ahead of the time, that DB knew where the ball was going, and he yeah. got out in front of it and made a great play. But that's what takes us surviving. That's what's so big and being able to keep on going. And, Rod, you just mentioned that the nature of this game. I thought a huge play was the first play of the second quarter. Texas is a third and one. Mm-hmm. On the drive, they're, they're in. The clock expires, Yep. and you flip the field, and all of a sudden you're going third and one, and Oklahoma's into the field. And I just thought for them in that situation, just to get downhill – the offensive line fire off the ball, Roshan get behind his pads, and you get a seven-yard gain yep. right there. I thought that was huge. And like I said, I mean, once once Quinn Ewers got comfortable, the game was over at that point. Oklahoma wasn't stopping. Got Texas. comfortable. Hmm. I mean, how long did it take him to be comfortable? One drive? Yep. After Pretty the, much. He got, after the Woody Washington play, it was – that was – You that got was it. And you get, I'll give Sark a ton of credit because Sark – I was it seems like Quinn Ewers is his muse – Mm-hmm. And that it he brings out the best in Sark, and honestly, it's it's pretty damn simple because Quinn Ewers can make any throw imaginable on a football field. Yeah, the passing game <clears throat> is what they, they call Mister. They call Russell Wilson Mister Unlimited. Uh, <laughs> not, that, anymore, it, yes. not, <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. True. Not anymore. But Quinn Ewers, because of that, the passing game is unlimited. Yeah, Most passing games in all levels of football are limited by the skill set of the passer. You are a dumb, stupid, idiotic offensive coordinator if you're building route concepts within your passing game that the quarterback can't make those throws. Yeah. Take, for instance, the seam route. Yeah. 
it is a simple route, but it is really tough to throw. Yeah. We saw Quinn Ewers throw it versus ULM mm-hmm. right over the linebacker, right in between that safety. Yep. Drop that in the bucket. It takes a tremendous amount of touch, a tremendous amount of anticipatory ability to do that. And he did it. Just easy peasy. Mm-hmm. It was a throw. He's like, oh, no, we do that all day. That's what I, I, I love throwing the tight ends that yeah, way. Yeah, 10 to 20 and yards, then, that's his money zone. Exactly. If you'll notice, Sark was smart enough. He didn't even build that concept. I don't even know they ran a seam route with Hudson Carr there. It's uh, other than a distraction, Don't. because why would you build that into the route contest when this? You know that's a really tough, you know, route for any quarterback to throw, and he that's not a strength of his. Mm-hmm. So why do that? So Sark built in route concepts or strengths of the skill set of a Hudson Card. But when you're talking about Quinn Ewers, there is no route he can't throw. His ability, and he it's crazy. He puts just enough on the balls that he yeah. needs to yeah. throw. It's it's weird. Because most quarterbacks want to show it off. Like, yeah. I'm trying to show this thing off a little bit. So, hey, wide open. And, you know, Sims like that. I'm trying to show this thing off a little bit. You're going to see a little bit of something. Yeah. He doesn't touch. try to show off. He's 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 all about giving as just enough uh, touch or velocity as needed for the yeah, throw. I and agree. he's great about his anticipatory ability. And now, it, to me, Sark's passing game is truly unlimited. Mm-hmm. Because there is no throw he can't make on any down or distance, or any situational circumstance. And those are the things that that touch is, is natural to the player. Like, that stuff yeah. you can't be taught into. No, you don't go. teach that to And them. then the arm you can't teach either because the, a lot of these college kids going against them have never seen a quarterback that's able to even complete or attempt certain type of routes and throws. So it just will throw them off. They don't even expect to see such things because no other human's done yeah. that against them. Then when you throw in the touch, it reminds me of just those few savant hitters like your Miguel Cabrera. Like, yeah, you have all the power in the world, but they also can make any type of swing to hit any type of ball. And that's where a guy like Quinn is. He can do anything on the field that you need. And I pulled some of the numbers not only from the Texas OU game, but for the season. Now, first off on the – Intermediary throws, if you look at Quinn from 10 to 12, uh, 20 yards, he was 7 for 10, 128 yards, and two touchdowns, throwing 10 to 20 downfield. Mm-hmm. Two for four for 40, over 20 yards and a TD. But when the thing that I saw, and I saw these numbers initially, and you didn't have a big enough sample size with one game in one quarter, but when you throw Oklahoma in there, you get a good sample size, and when – it, it is consistent, it's worth pointing out, because we've talked about it before, but the certain most elite quarterbacks in the NFL, you know, everybody's impacted by pressure. But when you're blitzed and not blitzed is when they obliterate you. And Joe Burrow was a case study. We talked mm-hmm. all about him being a guy that, you know, when not blitzed, he's a guy that had this year just like an 82 passer rating. But when you blitz him, it goes up to 119. A guy like Mahomes. Double zero blitz him on third and 17. There you go, exactly. Mahomes. Throughout his career, when blitzed, you look at his, this is the last five years, 120 passer rating, 113, 130, 117, 122. When not blitzed, it's 199, 98, 109, 104. So then even a guy like Brady, when blitzed, it's up around 103 if you look all the way back through those years. When not blitzed, it's like 90 to 94. Mm-hmm. Well, Quinn has the same profile. Quinn, in those very few, and this is a type of confirmation bias that you love to see because when you hear about a guy having this type of arm and ability, it's like, well, a lot of people have to, but it has to click mentally to make it work. Yep. And whenever you go and you can look at the numbers, well, Quinn in this game when blitzed, 133 was his NFL passer rating compared to just 108.9 when not blitzed. Now for the season when not blitzed, 101.7 when blitzed, 121 goes up across the board. So he's one of the guys that's playing out, and it's along that profile of the most elite quarterbacks in the NFL because they can identify pre-snap where it's coming from. They have the arm and the intelligence to constantly beat you, which makes you not be able to blitz, which means the only way to beat you is like if the front four can get home because you got to drop back and you can't send a guy. Not necessarily. Like, I would I, – first of all, I would blitz him. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I, I would blitz him. I wouldn't blitz him a ton, but I, I would blitz him. But you have simulated pressures you can throw out there. You yep. got zone blitzes, which are true blitzes. It's like a truth that tells a lie, different things. Um, you can blitz from different levels. You got to throw more at him. He has not seen enough football at elite levels for and I know he, he naturally processes it really well, mm-hmm. but I am just saying if I'm a defense coordinator, I'm yeah. throwing – all of the pressure packages at him, all the blitz packages at yeah. him, and I, I would, I cannot give him time. Yo, true. Get, I agree with if that. you are depending on your front four to be San Francisco oh, no. 49ers front four, you're an idiot. 
Well, no, and right? they don't exist. You ain't you ain't got that because he beat no Alabama front four like that in the Big Twelve. None of them. Well, so agreed. all these defensive coordinators, you're sitting back thinking, "Oh, our front four, we gonna get there." Then you're you're mistaken. Agreed. All right? So I would and I'm not. I would do that. a ton of simulated pressures, a ton of zone blitzes. I would come from different levels. I'm not coming like Tart Orlando. From I'm not coming all the way from Iowa, but I would come from different levels, and I would blitz him because I'm not giving him time. Time to process is the key. He has time to process. You get more than just the quick, accurate, high-percentage throws where guys get yak yards. You get him looking down the field and improvising down the field, and you don't want that. Now with this guy, you'd rather have him just beat you with a quick pass that was great, quick hitter, tackle, move on. But you give him time to process deep down the field – he is – I mean, he's an assassin. Yeah. I mean, there is yeah. no throw he can't make. You can have great coverage. Good coverage doesn't matter. Yeah. Your great coverage does not matter as much. Look at the off pl- well, look at the off platform throw he threw to Bijan. Like Deshaun, Deshaun White's in position to make that play. Hey, there guys in position to make these plays, and he's putting in the, uh, he's putting the ball perfectly. I I would not allow allow him to have time to process. I'm coming after him. I'm that. That's just me. And basically, what I, I was pointing that out is that no, he's no, no, indefensible. No, 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 I'm not disagreeing with you. So saying. he's indefensible. Your stats are right. Well, I'm yeah. just saying. Uh, yes, I will still blitz him, even though I think the traditional blitz is what they're saying. But simulated pressures. Yeah. Um. But guys coming from different levels, you can still bring four, but you can just bring them in creative ways. Yeah. And by the way, John Heacock is. This is going to be a great test. I cannot wait for this. this is oh, a great man, test I'm for so Sark. Pumped. It's a great test. Hell, uh, Oklahoma was trying to run some of that three high, three down, but they're just totally Try. inept and incompetent and can't do it. Try but there the basically word. was a scout team look for Texas uh, as opposed to what they're going to see this week versus John Heacock and Iowa State, which, as to use a Sark word, major in three high, three down looks. Oh, yeah, and Iowa State scares me this weekend specifically because their defense is so good. But even when you look against Alabama, what they chose to do when they went after Quinn it was every single pass attempt wasn't blitz, and he butchered. He, he just totally tore him apart. He had a one twelve passer rating, and that was because Saban also knew that you can't blitz this guy because he will kill that. But and even against Alabama, when he was clean, it was a one oh seven pass rating. When he was under pressure, it went up to one nineteen. There's only very yeah. few players that can actually have that be possible. Like Mahomes this year had a better passer rating while under pressure than kept clean up until last week. Like it's almost impossible. To do that, yet he did it against Alabama. Yeah, they don't have a ton of. There's not been a ton of simulated pressures thrown at them. Yeah. So I would, I would, if I if I was the coordinator, I would emphasize simulated pressures. That means essentially I'm you bringing show. four. All right, I'm bringing four, but I'm coming from the most exotic four that you could bring. A ton of ghost fronts, mm-hmm. which is what I call ghost fronts. Everybody's a different name from where everybody's mugging the line of scrimmage. Yep. Different guys mugging the line of scrimmage, some up in two points, some up in four points. You just give him a ton, ton, ton of process. All right, you got yep. you cannot yep. have him. You can if you're if it's simple for him to process, he's gonna eat you alive because Sark's system also simplifies every pre-snap read for the quarterback. That's the point of a lot of the the shifts and the motions and a lot of the, the the formations and them being condensed or being reduced. It's all to present the quarterback because he's a quarterback with a simplistic pre-snap read. Yeah. So you got you're you're playing chess with Sark, who's really good. You know, I mean, he's great with his pre his uh, his opening script, and you got to get past the opening script. Number one. <laughs> get past opening script without being eviscerated and being down double digits. That's also a challenge. And then once you get Sark in the chess match, you got to play the man and not the hand. Meaning you're going to have to try to figure out schematically psychoanalyzing what Sark's going to do. Yes. And trying to stay ahead of him. Because if you're trying to play the hand, you're beat. The yeah. hand is... Texas has Xavier Worthy and B. John Robinson and Rojo and Quinn Ewers and J.T. Sanders. You don't have a better hand than Texas. No. Nobody is going to have a better hand than Texas. So what they say in poker, if you can't beat the hand, mm-hmm. beat the man. Yeah. Beat the guy. Figure out how he likes to play or how she likes to play. Whatever. Sorry, I'm being sexist here. But my point is, that's how you got to beat Tech. You got to beat Sark. Because if you're trying to beat the personnel, you're going to get beat. Yeah. Your personnel does not match up with Texas. And your tendencies, if you're just reading it because he'll break tendencies. It was like watching the KC last night against the Raiders. And all game long, Sky Moore, their second-round pick, had been on the field, and Andy Reid had not thrown him the ball. But he'd been out there all game long. Then when it's time to go and clinch the game and gets a couple first downs, what does he do? 
He throws the ball back-to-back plays to the guy that hasn't seen the ball all game long only because they he knows that, okay, they aren't paying attention to him. It's our fastest guy on the field is going to have the ball, and he gets two first downs and helps yep. run down three minutes of the clock. Like, when you look at what Iowa State does, <coughs> excuse me, when you look at what Iowa State does, and we've talked about this defense, Rod, for a few years now, love what John Haycock does. The thing that makes them so special, and we talk about this all the time, the three-high look, the way they run it, that three-high look invites you to run the football and the way the safeties fit the run, that lulls you it lulls you into a false insecurity to run the ball, then the safeties fit the run, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, my gosh, it's now we're just slamming our head against the wall trying to run the ball, and we're running it for less than three yards of carry, and it's just it's just not working. Everything they do fits so well. Those guys understand that system. And, Matt, I, I totally agree with your data, but, Rod, I think what you're saying is, th- and this is the conundrum when you have, like, a generational talent at quarterback mm-hmm. like Quinn Ewers, he's going to force you to get out of your comfort zone. If you just approach him saying, hey, we're going to do what we do, and we're just going to see, okay, then go with God. Yep. Yeah. And and see, let me know how that works out. You're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to throw. Uh, Rod, that's, that's the only way you can play him is just to throw a lot of junk at him. You're going to have to blitz from depth. You're going to have to blitz up close. You have to blitz from the field, from the boundary, just do so many different things. Like you said, just muck it up around the line of scrimmage and just give him uh, just give him stuff that he you, he hasn't seen before. Yeah, you, he hasn't, mm-hmm. that your advantage is, is his inexperience. Yep. Your advantage is he's a prodigy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like Kelvin Banks. He's, he's a, a phenom. He's a prodigy. So prodigies, you, you like Bijan, there's only so much you can do. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna end up growing into something great and elite and extraordinary. Nothing you can do about that. You got to focus on what your advantages are now. My advantage is going to be as Quinn Ewers. He ain't seen everything. Yeah, he ain't seen everything. You know what? I can throw everything at him. Oklahoma's disadvantage was they have. <laughs> I can't even believe it. They they have subpar personnel across the board. Defensive. Trying to trying to run a very complex defense. Yeah, and, and just, that's on Venables. I, I mean, that's on. I mean, I know Venables is trying to do what Stark did last year. Basically, he's like, no, my, I'm running my system. I'm going to implement it, and I'll let them catch up. And when they catch up, we'll be great. And that's happening for Stark right now. But I, I don't see Venables getting a Quinn Ewers. Nah. You know, what I mean, like, I don't see him have. He he ain't got yeah. a Bijan Robinson on that defense. Yeah, like, modern for football. Sark, 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 it makes sense what Sark did for Venables. Like, bro, how long is going to be till you remake that defense? And I mean, what, what, it's only yeah. half the team. Also, you, the one that half that doesn't score. To me, I I thought it'd been better. Like, man, we're gonna play some rudimentary defense for the time being. Y'all guys understand the scheme. Play fast. Let's be crisp. Let's be technically sound. And let's go out there and be physical. And let's play fast and good. And that would have been better than what you're trying to do right now. Because right now, those you can tell those guys. Those guys do not believe in that system. They can't even They're, get lined up right. <laughs> When they aren't getting the calls into them fast enough. They, yeah, they've given up on it. Yeah. There, was, there was one it's run Bijan had in the second quarter where guys are looking at the sideline, standing yeah. up what at the doing? snap. Waiting for doing? a call. Like, what's going on here? Yeah. Trying to get a play in. So, I know it's two different ways to do it, and maybe next next year to work out, but it's easier to get offensive personnel these days via the transfer portal and defensive guys. Yeah. And defensive guys is more about development coaches. So, maybe Brent Villables, he'll develop those guys into being good players, but – uh, my, my my point being is that the if you get back to uh, and this is I'll get into this it's kind of a deeper subject because I know we got to get to pre like reviewing and previewing. This is the first I said this on the show first time I can remember covering Texas football and honestly even playing Texas football where Longhorn fans actually like the offense. <laughs> They like the offensive scheme, not the personnel. You like when when Colt was there and when Vy was there. You like the personnel. Yeah, you still you didn't like the scheme. Davis. You guys still complained about the scheme and the. Oh, we'll give Greg Davis credit because I think Greg Davis is underrated. And I Me always too. Say, agree. Greg Davis is a great coordinator, not a great play caller. But Logan fans always complained about Greg Davis's offenses for years. All right, even for pre and post Vy and Colt, right. they complained about Charlie Strong's offenses, hated those. Complained about Tom Herman. Offenses hurt, hated those, and one of the things that's appealing about Sark is Longhorn fans like his offense. Even when it was Casey Thompson, or they like the offense. It's appealing. It's appealing to recruits. It's appealing to fans, and that matters. He says, "I know people think it's crazy, dude. We're watching right now the NFL." try to basically change the way the game is officiated because they're trying to make sure their quarterback's healthy so the offenses don't suck. Mm-hmm. 
So they don't be- give a damn about competitive games. They know fantasy football is what's driving the NFL. The NFL used to sell, used to sell sex, and it used to sell violence. Well, it can't sell sex anymore for obvious reasons. Can't sell violence anymore for obvious reasons. Okay, so what are we selling? What are we selling? Points, and we selling fantasy football, baby. Quarterbacks. That's what we selling. And at this point, we can't afford for quarterbacks to get hurt. So we don't give a damn. If we're gonna put flags on them, but you ain't touching these quarterbacks, man. Yeah. You ain't. You gonna learn how to hit these damn quarterbacks, and we are gonna make it obvious. We don't give a damn if you think, oh, it's wrong, or that's not how football is supposed to be played. No, no. Offense matters. Offense matters. Jatavion Sanders came here and everybody told him, hey, you can make more money playing defense. Play with money. Playing defense. You want to play defense? No, no, I want to play defense. I want to play offense. And it starts like, you playing offense here with me. And go look at hell, Nick Saban's telling people, I'm recruiting the best athletes in the country. And I'm telling them, I'm the greatest college football coach that's ever lived. I'm the greatest defensive mind that's ever been in college football. I can make you a first-round pick. And they're telling him, Coach, I might go play for this other school because they're going to let me play offense. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what the hell? Are you serious? Trevon Diggs cried when that man tried to, to suggest he play offense. And now he's an all-pro. My point being, it's all about offense these days. And people like Sark, I think, and predominantly because his offense is awesome. Yeah. It is a really aesthetically pleasing, sexy offense. And Texas fans haven't had that since what? DKR was here? An offense they actually like. Not a coach they I'm talking about an offense they like. Because Mike Brown was a great coach and they love Mike Brown. Right. But Longer fans didn't like Mike Brown's offense. They complained about him every damn year. Every year. <laughs> it might be the wishbone. You might be right. It's the last time Longer fans like, oh, I love that offense. It's so sexy. It's so cool. It's the last he was the last guy. They never liked it. Even when we were winning games, Longer fans complained about the offenses. Yeah. They hate right. him. But this right. one, like, people love the offense. Nobody complains about Sark's offense. No, they complain Agreed. about Sark, his inability to adjust, some of the stuff he does. They complain about some of the personnel moves. They don't complain about the offensive scheme. They like the scheme. They love the scheme, yep. and that's key these days. Yeah, Helps you recruit. Right. You, listen, who gives a damn about defensive recruits? They're gonna come where we bring all the quarterbacks and the, and the offensive skill guys and the offensive linemen are gonna come where we bring all the quarterbacks. Mac Brown was right about that. Yep. He's right about that way back in the day. That's why you got the offensive line, because you got Arch Manning. That's why you're getting the, the wide receiver recruits. And D-Lyman like, you know what, man, I'll go there, man. See, they got it popping over there. Yep. And That's I mean, it in a nutshell. That's yeah. how we talked about the Big 12. You know, it trickled up to the NFL, and the NFL finally opened their minds and started bringing in those concepts. And the teams that are the ones that were first to do it are the ones that are ahead of the game as the rest of the game's caught up. And now when you see a generation of kids that grew up playing in that 7-on-7 seven seven era, it just makes it something that's more appeasing to the eyes. And like you said, aesthetically pleasing just to the you know novices that are watching on the weekends. It's the game, baby. Yeah. Sorry, I know y'all don't like it. It ain't fair. I love life. It. Ain't fair. No. I love offense. <laughs> offense is fun. I, I've been loving it my whole no. life. It's, like, it's fantasy football. That's what they sell. Oh yeah, same with the NBA with scoring. It you don't yeah, like the nineties? How exactly. ugly that was. Protecting their investment. Steph Curry man. changed the game. We got a sample on Saturday Maybe. of what it looks like when you marry an elite an elite offensive scheme with elite personnel. And look, the offense wasn't bad with Hudson Card. But with, but with Quinn Ewers, it, you're elite. Yeah. You're one of the best offenses, hardest to stop offenses in the country. Period. Yeah, Quinn right Ewers now, Texas up to third. If you look at percent of first downs on first or second down, I mean, just being that successful that you don't even have to get to third or the, those pressure downs where situational football sometimes will be up against you, you're just avoiding that because you're so explosive. Exactly. Be- because That's what I'm saying. Like, is it? There's no reason to trying do it. to get to the money downs used to be the point of it, but when you're dealing with a team that's this explosive, it's yeah. almost like when you're dealing with Lincoln Rally teams back in the day, it's like, what the hell with it? I can't afford to get to the money downs because yeah. the, the the odds are not in my favor. Yeah. <laughs> it it really is. He's he's special, man. He is special. I was I was told by uh I believe my man Johnny Rogers, who has uh he's got family in the NFL, brothers that coach in the league, and he said, Man, I you know, I've talked to people that in the know, and they said he'll be the most talented arm. It'll be the most. It'll be the best arm talent in the history of Texas football that you'll ever see. Yeah. And and then not saying he's gonna be the best quarterback, but in terms of arm talent, you won't see a better arm talent in the history of Texas football. And that's right. what we haven't seen on. one. We came mm-hmm. in here. And during, I agree with that. Now looking back, the okay. Alabama game. I mean, we said the same thing after watching Quinn in that Alabama first. Now you didn't know if that's gonna be Quinn all through every game, and the yeah, idea that you can show up and be a freshman consistently yeah. all the Whatever, way. Yeah, exactly. But like when you see that, and now you have the sample as being that what? Alabama game and this what? Oklahoma game, and you're Come putting on, up. Man. This type, I mean, it necess- it is indefensible at the collegiate level. You're putting balls in situations that nobody can defend. I talk about the slow burn with quarterbacks, right? Like young quarterbacks, you have to kind of ride the roller coaster. But 
and again, I may be putting the cart in front of the horse and being premature, but Rod, this feels more like it feels more like Trevor Lawrence, Matthew Stafford, where yeah, Mahomes. I don't know that you're gonna really get to that point where there's if there is a valley, it's not gonna be that deep with Quinn Ewers when he does struggle. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And then when you add you know? in the fact, I, what, one thing that's so impressive with him is the chemistry. And now we've heard about him and JT Sanders, you know, we're having that experience throwing with one another before high school. But just hearing in the post game, hearing Bijan, when he was asked about that throw along the sidelines when he had to do I a 360 yeah. in the pirouette, and Bijan said that Quinn was looking at me like, dang, bro, get open. So I ran and just the idea that if you watch that play, that play, he, there's one second and they can make lock mm. eye contact. He knows that Quinn's looking at him in a way which means I need to expect this ball and yep. be open. And he gets it shows that chemistry that he has. So and then when they talk about him and Sanders throwing forever, and you know that like if you go and play sports, if it was somebody that you grew up playing with your whole life, or just anybody in the backyard, if there are those few people that you have a chemistry with your brother, or your best friend, that you can know what they're thinking, to have that type of relationship with the guy like Sanders, and you can see why Quinn likes to throw these balls up in the back of the end zone like he did against Alabama to him or in this situation and in this game and to have that type of chemistry so fast with these guys and seeing it on the field it's very impressive there was a Rod you mentioned you hit on it earlier but his his patience like when you're talking about like you can't just sit back and let him pick you apart his patience his ability to process and one throw that I think sums that up it was right after you remember he had the third down, the big third down scramble, right? Yeah. Where again, Quinn's not, you know, nobody's going to mistake him for Vy or even Sam Ellinger, but he's athletic enough that if you just give him the middle of the field on a third down, he'll yeah. take it. Yeah, Mahomes, Burrow. There did those was things. the there was the third down where it's kind of a little half roll and Gunner Helm, the the, the defensive ends in conflict. Do I take the quarterback? Do I take mm-hmm. the tight end? And it's almost like you could see Quinn process that, like, nope, I'm going to extend this a little bit more. I'm going to make that defensive end commit, and we'll drop it over the top. And that's exactly what happened. Yep. He had to respect Quinn Ewers as a run threat, and once the defensive end committed, boom. Just But Quinn didn't panic. You didn't see him unravel. It's just I'm going to make him commit just enough and then drop it over the yeah, top. That's what JT he did. Sanders and boom, in the moved, first game of the season the on the impromptu exactly. play whenever he wasn't even yep. running a pattern, but they had some type of connectivity between the two, and he can make that decision on the third down or like on the run, like you said, when mm-hmm. he scrambled and decided, no, I'm going to cut inside of the end and just they haven't expected me to run, but I can know I can go and fall forward and get a first down. The other thing you've got, Rod, I know you've talked about this. After the Woody Washington play, what did Sark do? If if you get to a situation where Quinn Ewers maybe does, he does get rattled or he does struggle, what can well, you do? on it. It's so easy. Turn, turn around, hand the ball. That's why. It. So that's why Sark takes chances with Quinn Ewers. You know, go look at his early down pass rate with Quinn mm-hmm. Ewers, first down pass rate with Quinn Ewers. I know that Bijan's supposed to be identity of the offense, and I do. I, I still think he is the identity of the offense, and we can talk more about that later. Uh, but he he's so enamored, he's so infatuated. And I agree. I think we all are. With the arm of Quinn Ewers, he throws it on first down. Yeah. He's like, I'm throwing it. Even yeah. if it's something just to get him in a groove and a rhythm, basically an extension of the running game, he likes to throw it on first down because he knows basically that it's too easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. too easy with Quinn Ewers. And, and, and that's why I, I, I think for, for Bijan, he is gonna he's had, he has his moments, and we know that Sark understands how to weaponize Bijan without question. But the identity of the offense – I think is evolving, and I I, I hate to say that I think the identity of the offense by the time this we get to the end of the season is going to be Quinn Ewers arm talent and not Bijan. But number one because he knows Bijan's leaving, which makes yeah. you so yeah. much that's more just, dangerous that's just too. Common sense, he knows Bijan's leaving, but also he understands that he's only going to have this rare arm talent. You know, I posed the question you know, on the show yesterday. You know how you've been watching a lot of college football. How many you've you've seen us football now? You've seen ten quarters of this kid, whatever. You know how many arms, how many players at quarterback do you take over Quinn Ewers right now? None. Like CJ Stroud's I mean, close. And what I say most people said CJ Stroud or Bryce Young jumped in there a couple of times, but that's it. That's it. Exactly. That's really it. I mean, talking about I've seen enough of Will Levis and some of these other guys. All these guys take, don't know. I'll, I'll take, take Quinn Ewers. That's my point. Like that's how rare it is. That's why the identity of the offense is about to evolve. And I know it's crazy to say it, but you look at modern football, modern football tells you the value of quarterback 
is way more important, way more yep. impactful than the value. It's the most important back. position in sports. Yeah, we know that by looking at the draft. The draft will tell you that the yeah. best running back will never get drafted higher Bijan. than the fourth or fifth best quarterback. Yeah. That's just the way it is, right? Coming out because it's about the value. And I think Sark understands. All right, you know what? I only got this kid for two, three years. I gotta weaponize it and I gotta maximize it. And yes, Bijan is a rare talent, so Bijan will get his because I love running backs and running back touches are the identity. He he always said that's that's the well, I think he said that's the identity of his offense and running back touches. I I think he's gonna evolve his his philosophy by the end of the season because it's just too fun. It's just too fun having a an arm talent like Quinn Ewers. Yeah, he's just, never Sark's never you, had you one. Can, you can like just, you can literally draw up any passing concept. Any think about how every offensive coordinator around the country are limited about their quarterback skill set. They can't throw that route. All right, so we only run these routes here because these are the routes that he can throw. For like you can the Rams throw up and the any Chiefs. route concept. You can have him rolling all the way to the far, you know, far hash, and then throwing back to the mm-hmm. opposite sideline, like that kind of stuff. Like he it's, can do weird, freaky stuff. It's mm-hmm. like having it's it's like in college. <laughs> it's, it's like in college baseball having like a Taylor Youngman as your Friday night starter. You know every. Friday night, I may need one run to win this game. That really? may be it. It's cr- like it's it's like having that 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 guy in basketball that when push comes to shove, I'm like call I, isolation I, play, let him go get a bucket. Like it's it it it, it exponentially expands your margin for error. It yeah. does expand. No 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 doubt expands your margin. That's why I think he's throwing on first down yeah. and stuff like that more because he's like ah, I can do it. man. Honestly, this guy <laughs> they're not ready for him. They don't have a plan for him. And it honestly, he's only getting better. Like he. We are seeing now his floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's the scary part. Like what we saw versus Bama and what you saw versus o- Oklahoma was his he's, – he's a prodigy. So we that's talk, where we he's about starting until he gets more reps. And the big thing about it is he expects to perform at this level. This seems to be his normal, which is what makes it scary because it, that's what the elite of the world are where everybody else is looking in, in awe, yet – you aren't even odd at yourself. It just is, seems like what I'm supposed to do on Saturday. Yeah, okay. um, it, it's wild. But l- like I said, the luxury just to be able to turn around and hand the ball to five. I think, Rod, at some point, what, maybe it's not this week against Iowa State, but like the following week in Stillwater or two weeks after that in Manhattan, that's probably going to be a game where Bijan might need to touch it 30, 35 times. For you yeah, no, you'll have those game. games. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, I, you know. But I, I agree with your premise, though, yeah, overall. Yeah, no, I'm yeah. not saying Bijan is the guy. Bijan right now is the identity. I'm just saying don't be surprised yeah. by the end of the season, just based on the tendencies that I'm watching from Sark, that he's just going to go all in on Quinn. What's that, yeah, term, you, what's that term you use, rate of development? Yeah, man. That We just watched a guy. Granted, Oklahoma's defense is not good. No, but not. we just watched a guy in that, in that stadium, in that setting, shred that defense. Shred it. And he hadn't played for three weeks. Since he shredded Alabama's <laughs> defense. It's crazy. Bro. Literally, so, like, he shredded that de- both defenses. But it's I do, insane. real stay on the offense. I just like the fact that the offensive line's got so much confidence coming out of this game, too. Uh, man, we talked about, like, Oklahoma, just they, they couldn't get lined up. They were having all kinds of alignment assignment errors, communication errors. And, man, just that, that wall. That's what you love watching offensive line play, that wall, that surge of white just going up the field. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it's beautiful to watch, man. When you're, I didn't even look at it. What was Texas? Three point uh, five yards before contact. Three, per yeah, three that's and a half it. yards per carry mm-hmm. before contact. Yep, Basically, held, you're getting to the second level every every run play before anybody puts a hand on you. Yep, yeah. and then you held Oklahoma to one point nine yards before contact, and then one point eight after contact. It's, so for the season, it's one point nine. Then it was point eight against West Virginia. Point nine against Tech. Point six. Against UTSA, Bama had 4.7 and ULM .6. That's what the Texas D-line is doing. And most of Bama's was the Jace McClellan touchdown run where you had the, yep. the issues on that side of the line of scrimmage. But, yeah, I mean, I just – and and you talk – you know, <laughs> the Jatavian Sanders route that that Rod that really, like, grabbed me where I, I watched the replay in the press box and I, I went back and watched the TV copy. I'm like, my God, I've been waiting for a Texas tight end to do that. If you go look at that skinny post that he ran on the third quarter touchdown mm-hmm. where he kind of does a little stem outside, a little yep. jab step outside, and then goes to the post, I'm like, dude. And that's what makes him such a freak. Like, he's 6'4", he's 240, and then, like, to, to have the feet that he has, it's like you have almost an indefensible weapon at tight end right now. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's a, he's a – I mean, he's a Mackey – 
I don't know if he's been a, on the list officially, but to me, he should be on the Mackey Award watch list. For he's, sure. on, he's on pace to have the best season ever for a Texas tight end. Yep. And, and now, and remember, Sark has been on the record saying the tight end position is the most important position in his offense behind the quarterback position. Nobody believed him. Uh, I think maybe it took a muse of sorts with JT Sanders to bring it out. Um, but miss, let's be honest. I mean, tight end has been an endangered species on the 40 acres for hell since David Thomas and Bo Scaife. And now you may have your best group of tight ends since Bo Skeezy and my man David Thomas back in the day. And Sark loves, he loves the big bodies. He loves, right now he's using traditional 12 personnel, which is just your two traditional tight ends. He's using those, I would say, close to, you know, around, I would say, 18% of the time, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. But he's using that big 12 package with Andre Carrick, Mm -hmm. which is, they call it another tight end, but we know it's the sixth offensive line. But obviously, you know, tomato, tomato. Um, but they're using that a lot, too. So I think that also combines. So maybe you combine that group and you're basically using your 12 personnel still close to 40% of the time like you did last season. But it's a difference, a change up. Mm-hmm. And you then whenever I mean? you see the way that Whittington's used, he's used a lot of ways that old fullbacks are being used in the NFL now. Like when you look at... Miami, the way they use in gold, the way that the 49ers use use check and being that motion guy that can go and seal a block or get somebody on the edge. So when you add that in, in certain scenarios, one of your guys on the outside can be almost like a back. So it's almost like you have 22 personnel out there whenever he's blocking. Rod, you got any data on bunch formations? It seems like they're just use a lot, utilizing bunch uh, formations I more do, this I've year. Not, I've not cataloged I it. It's in, my, it's in notes of games, but I've, I haven't tracked it and cataloged it just yet. They've done, used it a lot. Though. It just feels they like use, they're they using use a lot more. Of bunch, they do, they do lose a, uh, I think for the Tech game, it's the only one I actually tracked because they lost the game. And I do know there were – Fewer bunch formations in the second half compared to the the first half, but I haven't tracked it for the season yet. I know, like that on second quarter touchdown to uh, Sanders, yeah. and it's always different loves, groups of bunch. He too. loves bunch reduced sets, which is wide receivers basically being closer to line of scrimmage, yeah. um, and he loves condensed sets, which is also a little different too. And he loves offset, um, kind of the offset. Uh, what they call offset flex, some mm. people call it, where they have the, the the tight ends, two tight ends, right by the line of scrimmage there. Yeah. Um, so with the wide receiver next to it, and then yes. just trying to use that conflict, and then Bijan or Rojo will flow it out in the flat because you know that's going to take one of the linebackers or safety is going to account for the back in the backfield, and then. Best case scenario, you got just a three on three, but sometimes Texas gets a number advantage, and you got a three on two with your receivers on that side. Oh, I would love to keep talking about the offense, but we're running short on time. We got to talk about that Texas defense because, man, you throw up a goose egg in this game, uh, a Z, and look, Rod, I was telling Matt this before you got here. Uh, I thought Sam Neuer from Colorado in that Alamo Bowl a couple years ago, I was like, man, that's maybe the worst power five quarterback I've I've seen. Hmm. Uh, Apologies to Davis Bevel and his family if they're listening to this, but man, yeah, man, that was that was putrid. That was that was bad. It was bad. That was right. That was bad. That I was told rotten. Jeff before the show, but like on Friday, I had to go pick up my brother from the airport. He had been up in Colorado, so I knew that he hadn't been following anything. I was like, Ah, oh, Quinn looks like he's gonna play, and then he was like, well, What about the OU quarterback? I was like, Well. Look, I might be Davis Bevel. If it's Davis Bevel, we're going to beat them 70 to 21. So I got the margin right. I just got gave the offense way too much credit. When That's why they went wildcat on you, man. When they st- when Oklahoma started going junk offense on drive 2. two yeah. And for them to to put together that wildcat drive and then to get stopped on fourth down, they emptied the clip on that one drive, right? Like they had nothing after that. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, no, it, it was. It, I was shocked actually. Yeah, I was, I was too. I was shocked that they were so inept offensively. I, you know, I thought that they, and, and, and it's not like they didn't try innovative things. They had the Wildcat package ready. That was cool. A few different, a, a few, few different, different variations ones. of it, yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I expected more offensively from Oklahoma, but I'll give more credit to Texas. Texas, this, they could have got on the board. Like, they were down. In Texas here, when they first introduced the Wildcat, they got Texas. And by the way, you will see a Wildcat package from Iowa State. I mm-hmm. don't know if they've officially 
introduced one. I haven't dived into the film that deep. I know they had one with Brees Hall mm-hmm. when Brees Hall was there. Yeah. So they're going to have it. If they don't have it, then fire everybody at Iowa State because they don't know what the hell they're doing. Is that kind of like 2018 when they're like, everybody against Texas should run the jet sweep. I don't Jesse, care if you do it or not. Put it in for this I, week. It is, seriously. I, if you don't have the our Wildcat against Texas, then you're doing it wrong. I don't know what to tell you. You don't understand the assignment. But uh, getting back to it, I will say that that defense, man, they suffocated them. The two times they sniffed the end zone was that fourth and one where they handed off to Andre Sweat and make the play, and then the Jade Barron pick mm-hmm. on the pop jump pass, whatever they want to call it. Yeah. Uh, that was it, man. That was it. And to get a to get a to get a goose egg, get a shutout, it takes extreme crystallized focus at every level. That's what you got from Texas, man. That I I never expected. Was you have three hundred eleven games since Oklahoma had been shut out? Yeah, nineteen ninety eight. Wow. Pre Bob Stoops. Come on, man. That is uh, that's wild, though. I, I that's kudos. That's and I said that what I I still am gonna stop short of calling it a signature win. But that's a hell of a statement win. Yeah, that's a hell of a statement. That's kind of what I was going with. Yeah, I mean you can't you can't poo poo it because it's, it's it's the OU game, no, right? It's OU, baby. Yeah, um, it's OU's fault they didn't show up this year. Exactly. It's, a, it's well, a big game across across the country, and like to the point about the defense held Oklahoma to zero or fewer rush yards on 26.2% of their rushes. That means you one out of every four runs that you were holding them to nothing or negative. Yeah, it was. Uh, that's about as thorough of a beating as I've seen in that series in my lifetime. Yeah, Texas oh, offense had 52% of rushes went for five or more yards. We haven't seen a Texas team put, like I said, a beat down on a quality opponent. And like I said, I don't know if Oklahoma's quality. I'm just like, quality opponent. I get it. I get it. They were very wounded. They were hurt. Um, but I love that Texas still played to a standard. They didn't allow. They did not allow, which they did versus Tech. Mm-hmm. They did not allow the circumstance of their opponent, their situation, to affect the way they played. They this played game, to a high standard. Texas hadn't played this well against a really good team, in my opinion, since 08 Missouri. Like the 08 Missouri game, Texas came out and just went up 31-0 or whatever it was out the gate and just obliterated them, and it was from the first snap. This was a game that reminded me sort of that one. I uh... – I, what I one thing I like about defenses in games like this, Rod, is you can tell when that surge starts building and they know that that, that offense has nothing. Mm-hmm. You can see it's almost like man, it's almost like rabid pit bulls, sharks with blood in the water. They like guys just start, you just get more amped up and more amped up. And like I think about the when Davis Bevel tried for whatever reason tried to scramble on that fourth down <laughs> early in the second half. And Jalen Ford and Tucker Doris and Anthony Cook got him, and Anthony Cook gets up and he's pumping his fist. He I'm learned like, D one speed right there. He I'm was like, delusional they, to think he could get that. It was refreshing to see because I'm like, they know they're gonna win the game, but they want blood at this point. Mm-hmm. Like that was the mentality of that the defense. revenge tour. They, yeah. The guys been saying it. That's their thing. The revenge tour. And the latest one's gonna be on Saturday against Iowa State. Rod, like you said, the the chess match between Sark and John Haycock is. I can't wait to see that because again. The personnel's changed for their three-high look. You know, uh, they moved Anthony Johnson from corner to safety. Uh, they've got a few different pieces in there, but they've still got Will McDonald up front. This still, uh, I think, 17 in defensive SP Plus is where they're at. They lead the Big 12 in total defense, run defense, scoring defense, pass defense. Uh, but this is uh, – Bo Frailer's the kid that I was thinking about. That's their middle field safety now. Um but this is the best offense Iowa State's seen so far this year, no question. It is, but it's it. He in terms of it may be the most complex defensive system that Texas has seen so far mm-hmm. this yeah. year. Um, and they they run it really well. I, I, I have no doubt Texas will beat Iowa State because their offense is in is inept. Yeah, it's not. I mean, they're the worst offense in the Big Twelve. They're the best defense in the Big Twelve, but the worst offense in the Big Twelve. Seventieth nationally. Yeah, so it's just. It, it, you know, in this day and age, you just can't match up having an offense that bad. So Texas will beat them. There's no even reason to worry about it. But the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, or any of his house, Cardi B size, Lizzo size, but is I want to see Sark in the chess match versus John Heacock. John Heacock, he, he, he's popularized this three-high, three-down system. Sark has had issues with it. Yes, I know last week he obliterated Venerables, and Venerables has some of those conceptual ideas within his off within his defense, but they don't have the horses to run it. Alabama ran some of those concepts too, 
and even with Quinn Ewers, Quinn Ewers did a really good job early on breaking him down. With Hudson Card, you're a little bit more limited, so the offense wasn't able to flourish. So this is one of the big tests. Remember Arkansas last year? Remember Oklahoma State last year? Um, and what they did to this 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 very you know vaunted Sark offense? And I think conceptually, it's a bad matchup for Sark. But when you got Quinn Ewers who can stress a defense like no other arm I've seen in college football in a really long time. I don't know if the structural integrity of the Iowa State three high three down is going to hold up over four quarters. It may oh, early yeah. it may have some effect on them, but I don't know if a four quarters against an arm and a prodigy like this if it's going to hold up. That's the cheat code. Yeah, I don't think Sark hasn't been able to really solve the three high three down. He did a really good job with Alabama against Arkansas when he was there, um, but he had elite personnel, and I think now you're going back to him having elite personnel. Mm-hmm. He's got one of the best tight ends in the country, one of the best wide receivers in the country, the best running back in the country, the best running back room in the country, Arm. and one of the best quarterbacks in the country. So I don't necessarily think the John Heacock, you know, strategy and philosophy is going to be as effective against this Sark team. Yeah, um, just real quick. So Iowa State debuted this defense, and it was a shell of what it is now in 2017, a Thursday night game in Ames against Texas. Uh, that game, and just to show you how Texas has struggled against this Iowa State defense mm-hmm. in 2017, that yeah. was that offense, and that, that was not a great offense. We talked about that a lot. Uh, that was that offense's second worst outing for the whole season in terms of yards per play, total yards, pass yards. They only averaged 2.7 yards per rush and uh, converted three for 12. On third down, Texas won the game in 18. Remember, that was the game David Montgomery was mm-hmm. suspended for the first half. Uh, and Texas got the big lead, and Montgomery was it was moot him coming into the game in the second half. But the 2019 game, uh, season low 54 yards rushing, 2.1 yards per attempt, second worst outing with 327 total yards, and second worst uh, yards per play that season, five yards per play. Remember, Texas just kind of got off kilter in the second half yep. in 2020, and that was Tom Herman's last home game. Mm-hmm. And then last season, uh, we had the Bo Davis bus rant and the whole deal in oh, names. Yeah. Uh, that w- that offense was held to season lows for total yards, yards per play, yards per rushing attempt, pass yards, and first downs. So since Iowa State debuted this defense against Texas, Texas more often than not has really struggled to consistently move the ball and score points on this defense. Yeah, and it's crazy because Tom Herman was they were running the same damn system, right? Tom <laughs> yeah. Herman started running the lightning package, which was Iowa State's three high three down system, and still couldn't figure out what to do with it. No, it's really tough because it's so malleable and it really matches up well against Sark because Sark runs an RPO based offense and he wants to have an RPO based run game. And they manipulate the pre-snap reach really well. And they sling what we call sling run fits. And when they sling those run fits, they match up well and being able to cancel out a lot of gaps without necessarily having to do it by putting a a defender in that gap like a lot of defenses. That's why when you think back and it was Texas running their heads up against a wall thinking they had a number advantage and short yardage. And no, you don't. And that was the lacking self-awareness that sometimes drove us nuts about that era of Texas. Because the other part of that, too, that front, a lot of times they'll play that tight front where it's all your mm-hmm. five techniques or four you eyes. Figure, oh, I got the edge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, you don't. <laughs> it's, you got a lot of – It's there's a really like good that. video floating around online about defending the three-safety defense, and a lot of it is, man, you got to try to crack a lot with your receivers. you got to move your receivers around. You've got to try to – you've got to try to, with your motions and with your, your post-snap movement even – you got to try to just discombobulate the run fits with what you do on the perimeter, and I think that's the other thing that helps Texas, Rod. They're so good blocking on the perimeter. Yeah, I think that can help cancel out some of those run fits. I think it's ultimately going to be the passing game, though. I do think Iowa State will do a good job against the run. I think the passing game, Iowa State's got no shot at stopping the passing well, game. Because the 10- start- to 20-yard area that elite is so elite for yours, that's where you have to land those balls in against these high-looked defenses. Yeah, I just think he'll – it's it's one of the things Sark's done a really good job of this season. It's kind of my theme of the year. He's throwing the ball out of power power personnel packages. So out of their 20 and 21, 30 per- – that's why Keelan Robinson's catching the ball out of the backfield. Downfield. Right? That, exactly. Um, you know, JT Sanders now out of your 12 personnel. Remember last year they were so predictable running the ball out of 12 personnel like 65% of the time. Now 
you got a whole different threat out of 12 personnel. You got to worry about JT Sanders down the field. So they're throwing the ball more out of 12 personnel now. So everything that says run to the defense, down and distance, formation, personnel package, Sark's using that against them. And it's unfair because you do got to worry about Bijan the whole time. And now, especially with Quinn Ewers, he's throwing on those early downs with those power personnel packages. Like I said, present power personnel packages and pivot to pass principles. He's doing that right now probably better than anybody else in college football. Yeah, and when you look at yeah. just the yards per touch against Oklahoma, to give a good example of this, because even if Xavier Worthy's getting the attention, as he did, only 5.1 yards per touch, but it opens up the rest of the field. So Keelan Robinson, 10 yards per touch. Jatavian Sanders, 10.1 per touch. Whittington, 12.1 per touch. Roshan Johnson, 8.5 per touch. You're talking about those guys – getting a first down per touch, and then you got your Bijan 6 and your Worthy 5.1. That's how you beat them once they go, try to take away your top weapons. I'll say this in closing, 17 points for Texas might be enough to win this game. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yep. I think they'll score more than 17 points, but 17 awesome. points could win you this Vegas has Iowa State at 16.25, so you're spot on. Yeah. All right, uh, that's going to do it. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.